What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Never Graduate College Sports Podcast, where we don't just talk college sports, we live college sports. I'm your host, Tyler Graves, and I want to thank you, each and every one of you guys out there, for being here today. I sincerely appreciate all the support over the past couple months as we've launched this new college sports podcast. All the five-star ratings, all the reviews out there, I can't thank you guys enough for that. If you have not already and you're enjoying the podcast, if you like what you're hearing, I would greatly appreciate if you would take a quick moment out of your day and give the show a five-star rating, a quick review if you have time. That's a huge help as I continue to try to launch this podcast and bring this show to the masses. So thank you to everyone who has already done that. You guys are awesome. And thank you to everyone who will do that in the future. I appreciate it. But today on the show, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun today on the podcast I am actually really excited about today's show. Anytime I get to talk college football, I'm excited. It's a good day. But I am especially excited about this show because I have a feeling. I have a feeling about this one. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm excited to get started with it. So I'm sure most of you have already seen this. The preseason AP Top 25 was officially released a couple of days ago on Monday. The top five were pretty boring-ish, at least the top four we're pretty boring. Number five, we'll get to that. I don't know about that one. Top four, no surprises. That was to be expected. But once you get outside the top four, I think there are quite a few interesting debates to be had about a number of these teams. So today on the show, we are going to begin the process of breaking down the AP Top 25, the preseason AP Top 25, in depth by discussing whether each team in the poll is ranked too high, too low, or perfectly. I think this is fun. I love this kind of stuff because it's very much open to debate. You can take a lot of different ways. There's different viewpoints on this. And it really it just gives us a fun way to talk actual football, actual teams, actual players, actual games. I don't know about you guys, but I think you're probably a lot like me. I'm just tired of the regurgitation of the same old boring storylines that we've heard people blab about incessantly for the past eight months. And I include myself in that. I'm certainly not entirely innocent in in the talking season nonsense. I try to stay away from that as much as I can. But when you're talking about eight months of no college football, like it's going to happen. You're going to dip into it every now and then. I'm just kind of tired of it at this point. I want to talk some actual football. And since I run this podcast, that's exactly what we're going to be doing here today on this particular episode. But I am not alone today, guys. Joining me to help break it all down is Wit Barfield of the Around the Keg podcast. Wit and the rest of the guys on Around the Keg, man, they do an awesome job of talking college football, Major League Baseball, NFL. I think y'all were talking a little bit of golf the other day, Wit, when I was listening, right? Talking about the live tour and all that stuff. So a little bit of everything. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're we're big time sports fans, not just college football. Uh, even though we are college football centric, but pretty much anything and everything we'll talk about. Yeah, and I know that all of our listeners out there are exactly the same way. We all love college football. That's number, at least number one for me. I don't want to speak for anyone else, but like we're just sports guys. We like sports. So I'm telling you guys, if you're looking for a good sports listen, just a good, fun sports podcast, I strongly recommend checking it out. I know you're going to love it. But with, thanks for being here today, man. Yeah, absolutely. Ready to dive into it. 
Let's get it rolling, my friend. All right, so I know you and I, we were talking a little bit about this off the air, but just for everyone who maybe wasn't privy to our conversation, which I guess is everyone out there, but here's the deal. So we've got the AP Top 25. We're going to start at the bottom, go team by team, and work our way up to the top. And along the way, we're going to discuss whether each team is ranked too high, too low, or perfectly. So pretty simple, too high, too low, or perfect. Those are our three options with a little bit of a synopsis for each of these teams. And to give us a chance to go into the type of depth that we want to with each of these teams, we're going to break this into two parts. So we're going to do this over the course of two episodes. Part one is obviously this episode, and we will have part two for you guys next week. We're going to try to do roughly half of these teams today when it's 25 teams and it's an odd number like that you can't exactly do a hundred percent half of them but we're gonna do teams 25 through 14 today as about as close to half as we can get and we'll do teams 13 all the way up to number one next week so that's how this is gonna shake out but I don't want to waste any more of your time with any further explanation. Let's go ahead. I want to talk some football. I was talking about that earlier. Let's go ahead and actually do that. Let's talk some ball. So let's start the bottom, working our way up. Coming in at number 25 are the BYU Cougars coming off a 10-win season a year ago. They do find themselves inside the top 25, but barely, barely in the top 25 right there at the very bottom. So, Wit, are the Cougars ranked too high, too low, or perfectly here coming in at number 25? Yeah, so Tyler, I I th- could see this going either way. I could see them being a little high. I could see them being a little low uh, once it comes down to the end of the season. I think based on their schedule, just the way BYU always structures their schedule, they're going to end up being ranked higher than 25. But in my opinion, they are not a top 25 team coming into this season. Looking at some of these other rosters, I mean, you look at the people that were – ranked just outside of the top 25. You got Tennessee, you got Texas, um, you got teams like Mississippi State, who's kind of a sneaky team for me this year. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams that are better than BYU, but I'd say based on their schedule, they're probably in the right spot, but I think they'll finish higher. Yeah, it's, I think that's a good call, man. And it's, it's funny you bring up, I'm glad you brought up the scheduling aspect to this because I think the hardest part about this exercise for me, when you're talking about the AP top 25, or really any preseason poll, it's, how do you approach it, right? Is it a projection of like how you think things are going to end up at the end of the season based on schedules, matchups, all that stuff? Or do you approach it more like a power ranking type thing where it's like, how good do you think those teams are? Is team A better than team B? And I never really know how to approach it. I think that's like when people have issues with rankings, I think that's why. It's like we, there's no set criteria. It's just like, hey, rank them. And uh, I don't know. Like how do you usually approach that? Uh, honestly, for me, when it comes to preseason, it's more of a roster recruiting, yeah. how they did the year before coming back this year. Um, that's how I look at it. But yeah, I, you know, honestly, I don't know how AP does it. It's it's all jumbled. It's up. all crazy. I mean, they're just I'm like, not a huge fan of the AP rankings. I'm sure like you're not either. Yeah, I don't yeah, know, man. Exactly. I, for, yeah, I'm with you. I think I've always kind of approached, especially the preseason. It's kind of a, a power ranking. Like when we're in the season, if I was doing a, a ranking, if I had a vote, which obviously I don't, I would probably do it like a combination of like a power ranking slash most deserving with like a lean towards power ranking side things probably. I I just never have really gotten, because I know some people do this. I'd never gotten the idea of, okay, I'm going to rank teams based on how I think they're going to finish because then you have a role in determining how they're going to finish. Like 
I, I just I don't know. Like if you like people that like look ahead at the schedule and say, oh well, I think they're gonna end up winning these games, so I'm just go ahead and rank them high now. And it's like, well, do you think this other team is better? Well, yeah. Well, why aren't they ranked higher? So I don't know. But it's I mean, people do it differently. But I just I was curious how you were gonna go about it. So, but anyway, back to BYU. I'm with you, man. I think this is too low for BYU. Uh, the schedule when you look at the schedule, it's pretty tough, man. I mean. They got a couple. You got Arkansas coming to town. You got Baylor coming into town. You go to Oregon. You got Notre Dame and a neutral site in Vegas. Like, there are some. There are some tough spots on this schedule, but they got a lot of returning production. I think they're like their number two nationally with Bill Connolly's returning production numbers. Number one in returning defense. The problem was they weren't good on defense last year. So it's one of those things. Okay, you return a lot of players, a lot of production, but they weren't productive last year. So is that a good thing? I lean towards yeah, because I mean. The thing with BYU is their guys are like 27 years old. You know, they go on their missions, they come back, and if they're upperclassmen, like they're like dads, you know. So it's it's one of those weird scenarios. But you get Jaron Hall back at quarterback, you got Puka Nakua back at wide receiver, Gunnar Romney's back. I'm with you. I I think this is probably like a nine and three-ish, maybe eight and four team. If they can get to nine eight and four, maybe 25 is right. But if they can get to nine and three with a, a relatively tough schedule and win some of those high-profile matchups. I think that they can find themselves inside the top 20. I don't think that's crazy to say. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a little too low. All right, moving on. I'm interested to hear what you have to say on this one because this team is a team I think could actually be a sleeper nationally. we got the Houston Cougars, another Cougars. The Houston Cougars this time around are coming in at number 24, Dana Holgerson and company. Are they too low, too high, or perfect? Oh, I think they're way too low. I, I see this team low. being a top 15 team. Yep, I'm with you. I'm with you, Tyler. It'll be a top 15 team by the end of the season. I mean, you look at the AAC this year. I mean, UCF, I think they're going to improve from what they did last year um, after they had Dylan Gabriel go down and um, it being Gus Malzahn's second year there. I think he'll do some better things. Uh, Cincinnati, obviously, they're going to take a step back. Obviously, they still have uh, Luke Fickle. So they'll be a really good team that bring in Ben Bryant at quarterback. So we'll see what he can do. Um, I, I think they'll be good. But with how Houston was last year, compared to what they have coming back, uh, especially with Clayton Toon coming back at quarterback, I see this being a team that is not only going to compete for that uh, New Year's Six spot from the group of five, I think they'll be that team. I think they'll end up uh, either in the – what is it this year? The What's in the I playoff? think it's the Cotton Bowl this year. It's not the Fiesta. It's not the Peach. Yeah. It's the playoff bowls. I think it's the Cotton. Oh, yeah. I see them in the Cotton Bowl. I'm pretty sure I have them playing – who do I have them playing? Notre Dame or somebody in the Cotton Bowl this year. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds about right for them, yeah. And look, this is a team like all offseason long. I've been looking at this team, going back and watching some some of their games from last year, looking at the roster. It's like, man, I, I'm with you. Like, I think this is like a, a sneaky, really, really, really good football team. This is like, because remember a couple of years ago, they had the whole thing with De'Eric King and they're like, all right, dude, just get out of here, right? Like, we're just not going to play you. And then they kind of tanked that year. And this is what they were building to. This is why they went through that. And this is the team that they were building to. And so obviously they're, they want to capitalize on this season. I honestly, yeah, I was considering calling this team like a sleeper playoff team. But the problem for Houston is I don't think their schedule is good enough to get in the playoff. Like Cincinnati had that win at Notre Dame last year. If they didn't have that win at Notre Dame, I don't think Cincinnati got in the play- would have gotten in the playoff. And Houston just doesn't have that team on their schedule. I mean, they have at UTSA, at Texas Tech, and Kansas. I just don't think that's strong enough in the non-con to get themselves into the playoff conversation. I think they can go undefeated. I really believe they can go undefeated. But I just don't know if that's going to be enough. But I'm 100% with you here. I think too low is the clear answer. In fact, I think this is the most egregiously low-ranked team 
that we've got. I mean, this team, it certainly should be inside the top 15. Got Clayton Toon coming back at quarterback, Nathaniel Dell, 1,000-plus yard receiver from last year. And the thing about Houston is, like, you think Dana Holgerson air raid offense, right? Well, they've been good offensively, but it's really been the defense. They were a top 10 defense nationally last year. I don't think enough people realize that. Doug Belk has done a hell of a job defensively for that team. I know they lost some guys from that from that defense from last year, but Doug Belk's back. they got some playmakers returning. I think they're going to be good on defense again. Maybe not top 10, but close enough. they got a lot of firepower offensively. And if you look at the schedule, I know this might not really necessarily matter, but if you're talking about potential playoff, New Year's Six, no Cincinnati, no UCF on the regular season schedule. So if they can go through the regular season, beat Texas Tech, beat Kansas, beat UTSA, then this team absolutely can go undefeated the regular season. And they could beat Cincinnati. They could beat UCF potentially in the American Championship game. So I'm with you, man. Anyway, you slice, no matter how you rank teams, Houston's way too low. I don't get that one. I don't get that one. All right, let's stick in the AAC here. Number 23, we've got the Cincinnati Bearcats, fresh off their first college football playoff appearance. Are they too high, too low, or perfect? I don't know. Honestly, I think 23 is good for them. Uh, I don't like where they are based on the teams behind them and based on the teams just in front of them, Uh, just based on what the AP did. But I would say bottom tier of the top 25, maybe just outside the top 25 is probably where they should be, just based off the fact that they lost Desmond Ritter, they lost uh, Sauce Gardner, they lost all those guys that were so big for them on that playoff run last year. Um, I, I'll, say, I'll say just right for the number, but I'd say they're probably too high based on some stuff around them. Yeah, I mean, that's a great synopsis, man. I, I actually, once again, totally agree with you here. I'm sure eventually we'll have some differences, but you're nailing it so far. Uh, I I think this is perfect for them. I think Cincinnati, they're not going to fall off the face of the earth. Luke Fickle is a really, really good football coach. They recruit really well for a group of five program. Being in Ohio like they are, there's a lot of fertile recruiting grounds there. I know they're not going to get the top level guys, but there's a lot of, it's like Georgia. There's, you might not get, if you're Georgia Southern or Georgia State, you might not get the top level guys, but there's a lot of really good players in the state of Georgia that you can, if you get the right coach in there, you can tap into. And they've got the right coach. They've got Luke Fickle. He's an Ohio guy. He's got the connections. This program is not going anywhere, especially now going to the Big 12. They're going to be a good football team this year. I just don't think they're going to be the Cincinnati that we saw last year. There's just not, there's no way. You, you mentioned the names Ritter, Sauce Gardner, MyJ Sanders, Kobe Bryant. Those guys are gone. Those guys are gone. And they still have good football players, but they don't have. Those good football players. I think Ben Bryant, you mentioned him, will be a good player. Is he ready to be Desmond Ritter? I I don't I don't think so. If he was, he would have probably been starting last year. But I still think this is a really good football team. Uh, I think somewhere in the 20s is about right for them. Maybe they can sneak into the top 20 at some at some point in the season. I think when it's all said and done, probably in this 23 range. So if we're coming this season, if I'm doing this more as a power ring, I think there are somewhere in that range. So I'll just go ahead and call it perfect. I'm with you, man. All right, moving on to number 22. The Wake Forest Demon Diggins, who, man, they got a blow last week with Sam Hartman, the news that he's going to be out indefinitely. I don't know exactly what it is. The rumor is it's like a blood clot situation, which is scary stuff. So I'm absolutely wishing Sam the best, and I hope to God he's good and ready to go. Then he gets back sometime. He's a fun player to watch. It's a fun offense to watch. But they're coming in at number 22. So with knowing what we know now with the loss of Sam Hartman, at least for – a while is that too high too low or perfect for the demon deacons uh with no sam hartman i think this is very 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 much too high i'd say 
I would push them back towards the 30 to 35, maybe, maybe high twenties range uh, without mm-hmm. Sam Hartman. And mostly cause it's just, we just don't know who's going to play quarterback. We don't know yeah. what they have behind him. And honestly, I, I would say the last couple of years uh, that Wake Forest has had success besides the year they had Jamie Newman before he transferred to Georgia and then opted out uh, was because of Sam Hartman. I mean, their coach does a phenomenal job. Um, yeah. Uh, he he runs a really good offense. I think no matter who plays quarterback, they're going to be efficient. But without Sam Hartman, uh, I mean, the guy threw for over 4,000 yards last year. That's just a massive yeah. loss for your team. The leadership, man. I mean, even beyond what he's done on the field, like that's guy, he's been around forever, forever there. I mean, you talk about Jamie Newman. That's a name that we've all forgotten about. And Sam Hartman was playing, like they were battling out when Jamie Newman was there. So this guy's just been around that program forever. He's the heart and soul of that team. And it's a tough loss, man. And Wake Forest is not like – there are certain teams that could potentially – I don't want to say completely compensate for that, but they could weather a storm of losing a starting quarterback with a couple weeks ago in the season because they have a lot of talented guys, right? But Wake Forest is not necessarily a team like that. I do agree that Dave Claus's offense is just really well-schemed and they're going to be productive no matter what. I just don't think they're going to be as productive. So with no Sam Hartman and – they still don't have a defense, man. That's the problem. I, mean, I, watch, I remember watching the Army game last year. I don't know if you caught that game. Because I, like, I like watching Wake Forest. They're just a fun offense to watch. And the games are, are always high scoring because they don't play defense. They don't have the players. And Army was just literally doing whatever they wanted to that Wake Forest defense. And we're talking about Army. And yeah, I know triple option can be tough, but like not that tough. It was it was absurd. And the Wake Forest kept matching point for point. It was a shootout. I think it got into the 50s. And with no Sam Hartman, I don't know if they win as many of those shootouts as they won last year. So I know that most of the people who ranked them in the top 25 probably did so and turned their ballots in before the Sam Hartman news. So I'm not going to kill anybody there. But 22 without Sam Hartman is way, way too aggressive for me. So yeah, I think that's too high as well. Moving into uh, our to number 21, I think this is the, yeah, the first SEC team that we're going to talk about today. The Ole Miss Rebels coming in at number 21. Are they too high, too low, or perfect, Whit? This is honestly another team that I'm kind of back and forth on. I'm going to say too low, uh, mostly because I'm a big fan of Jackson Dart. I thought he looked phenomenal at USC last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Plus the fact they bring in Michael Trigg from USC. They bring in Jalen Robinson from UCF. They bring back Jonathan Mingo uh, at the wide receiver position. They bring in Zach Evans from TCU. Uh, that offense is going to be awesome. I mean, Lane Kiffin yeah. coaching that up. I know they lost Jeff Levy, but obviously Lane Kiffin's always going to have his hand on the offense. He's going to know what's going on. Uh, it's really going to come down to how this defense improves, um, even with the loss of um, DJ Durkin, who went to – where'd he go, LSU? Durkin is – and I think – is he A&M? A&M, that's who it is. Yep, he took over. Right, for A&M, yeah. Yep, yep, I was just reading about it today. He um, – but yeah, so – It'll be interesting to see how they do. Um, they have some pretty decent talent on that defense, but obviously the last two years they really have not been great. So, um, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say they're too low right now. I'd, I'd have them closer to that top twenty range. Yeah, once again, man, you're nailing that. I'm with you. I think they're too low. This is a team I've talked about a couple times this offseason, and I, I truly believe this because I think they're gonna be in the top five after week seven. I think they're gonna be seven and zero. Like Troy, Central Arkansas at Georgia Tech. Tulsa, Kentucky, yeah, tough-ish, but at home, at Vandy, and Auburn at home. I think they're going to start 7-0, and they're going to be in the top five. There's, I have almost zero doubt about that. I know that sounds you can't say zero doubt, but I feel strongly this team's probably going to be 7-0. And then you look at the rest of the schedule, and you're like, oh, 
Um, hmm. Okay. At LSU, at AM, Alabama, at Arkansas, Mississippi State. And I'm with you. I think Mississippi State is a sleeper team this year. That's a really tough stretch to end this season on. If they can, if they can go two and three, I think that's a hell of a job. But I think that's doable because you mentioned all the players you mentioned there. Lane Kiffin has never produced a bad offense in the history of his career as a college coach. He just doesn't produce bad offense. I know losing Jeff Levy is not great. There's a lot of turnover. I understand all that. But their offense, it's going to be the same old Miss team we've seen. Awesome offense, below average defense. It's basically just how close to average can the defense get. If they can get close enough to average, I think they can win nine. Maybe if maybe if things really click offensively, maybe 10 games. But yeah, I think this is a little too low for Ole Miss. I could see him probably somewhere in the 20s, but... I could also see him sneaking in closer to number 15, especially with the, with the strong start to the season, which I feel pretty confident they're going to have. Um, all right, another SEC team coming here at number 20, the Kentucky Wildcats. A lot of people look at Kentucky as the number one contender to Georgia in the SEC East. What do you think? Wait, are they too high, too low, or perfectly ranked? Well, your listeners are going to think I'm gonna, I got some SEC bias going on, but I'm going <laughs> Kentucky is too low. Absolutely. Okay. They bring in Will Levis, or they got Will Levis coming back from last year. Uh, they do lose their top weapons at receiver with Josh Ali and uh, Wondell. What's his last name? Robinson. Wondell Robinson. Oh, God, yeah. Wondell Robinson. Right. Yeah. And those guys were awesome. I mean, they they really did a lot for that passing game last year, even though they are a run first offense, even though they're starting to spread the ball out a little bit more. Um, but I think with another year with uh, Will Levis under the helm and then uh, bringing back Cavassier Smoke as well. Because uh, you know the defense is going to be good. I never have any questions about a Mark Stoops defense. I mean, every single year he's been there, they've been at least, yeah. what, top five in the SEC? Top eight? Yeah. They're so, always they'll, at they'll minimum be, good. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I think they'll be a top three, top four defense in the SEC this year. And then bringing back what they do on offense, if they can find some weapons at receiver, I could see them being a sneaky contender to steal the East from Georgia. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I would never – Ever, ever pick Georgia to lose the SEC East, uh, especially with Kirby Smart as the head coach. But um, this is uh, – it's definitely a sneaky team. I'm surprised they're at that 20 mark. I would think they'd be in that top 16 maybe. All right, Wit. It's our first difference, my friend. Oof. First one. First one. I totally see your argument, and you're, honestly, you're probably right. But when I look at this Kentucky team, there's a lot of hype around Will Levis right now as an NFL guy. And I get it. He's got the physical profile, like a Josh Allen. That's what they're looking for. A guy that's big, strong, physical, athletic, great arm. And he checks all those boxes, but he just wasn't overly productive last year. He was a turnover machine. It was like 13 picks. And he did that with Wondell Robinson and with Josh Ali. So will he make strides now that he's in year two at Kentucky? Yeah, I'm sure he'll make some strides. I just don't know if he's that guy. I don't know if he's an elite player. I struggled with this one because I do think Mark Stoops is an incredible football coach. He might honestly be the best coach in the country with what he's done at Kentucky. I think you can make a reasonable argument that he might be the best actual football coach in the entire country. The dude's a, a stud. He's an incredible job there. So I have a tough time with this. I just, I worry about their offense, man. I really do. And Chris Rodriguez is a great running back. His status, at least early in the season, is still kind of up in the air. He dealt with some offseason issues with a DUI, and I, I don't want to call it domestic violence. I don't know if it was that, but a domestic issue of sorts. We don't really know. They're being very coy on that, and usually when programs are being coy on that, that means there's going to be some sort of suspension, so I don't know what that looks like. I think Kentucky's going to be good. They're not – They're not fall, like as long as Mark Stoops is there, they're not going to fall to face the earth. He's just too good of a coach. He's built that program to too high of a point, but I, I think this is probably like – 
an eight and four ish team, which I guess that could be in the 20 ish range. So I don't think it's crazy. This one I really struggled with, but um, I can't have everybody too low. So I'm going to go slightly, ever so slightly too high on Kentucky. Honestly, I think Tennessee is the biggest contender to Georgia this year in the East. I think that offense is just lights out. I know they have issues defensively, but I think Tennessee is the team for Georgia to watch out for. I know Georgia does go to Kentucky to get Tennessee home, so that certainly helps. But in terms of like who's the better team, I think Tennessee's better than Kentucky. I think they're going to beat Kentucky this year. They beat them in Lexington last year. I think Tennessee's going to be better than they were last year. So I would have Tennessee ahead of Kentucky, and they're not even in the top 25. So I'm going to go Kentucky slightly too high here. All right, number 19, yet another SEC team. Got a run of SEC teams here. The Arkansas Razorbacks coming in at number 19. So are Sam Pittman and company too high, too low, or perfect? Oh, once again, SEC bias. I think Arkansas <laughs> is definitely too low, way too low. Um, I know they lose a couple big players from last season, um, especially Traylon Burks. I mean, that dude was awesome. I mean, I, I think you could say he was – one of, if not the best wide receiver in the SEC last year. But they bring back K.J. Jefferson. Um, they bring in Jaden Hazelwood. Uh, Matt Landers actually transferred in from uh, – I can't remember where he went after Georgia, but he was somewhere – I think he went to Toledo. Yeah, Toledo, and, and like, that's so right. Yep. For those of you who are not Georgia fans, listen to this podcast. I've made it clear. I'm a Georgia guy. I know Whit follows Georgia as well. Um, it's kind of an inside joke kind of thing, I guess, because Matt Landers was like – this uber physically talented guy at George that we were all just waiting on him to like just take off and blow up and the light to go on. And it just, uh, it never quite happened at Georgia. No, like, he had all the it did not. You're like, dude, what's going on? And it just never happened. And so he transferred Man. to Toledo and now he's at Arkansas. In every, in every single off season that you follow Georgia football, it, the first thing that would pop up was Matt Landers looking really good. He's Matt Landers going to play this a might, G day. This might be this might might be a wide receiver one. Uh, no, he caught a ball. It's like, he did. Oh, he, he caught, hey, that, he that was a, a great catch. I remember that G day too. That was a great yeah. catch. Yeah, I do. I, I was talking him up, man. I was one of those guys. Like he's going to be the guy, and he wasn't. And I was wrong. But you no, know, but they they still got some good talent at receiver. Um, they bring back Raheem Sanders at running back. I mean, this was the number one rushing team in the SEC last year. Uh, I, I think the offense is going to be really solid. The defense loses a couple pieces, but they still have guys like Bumper Pool. Uh, they still got guys like Jalen Catalan. Jalen Catalan's a phenomenal uh, safety, yeah. really, really good player. Drew Sanders, um, transfer friend from Bama, yeah, a former five-star linebacker. Yeah. Yep, I was going to say they bring in Drew Sanders. Uh, they got a couple guys that have transferred in there to kind of help with some of the depth pieces. I think they're going to be really solid this year. I think they're one team that a lot of people aren't really looking at because they're looking at Teams like LSU or Texas A&M who brought in uh, Brian Kelly. Texas A&M had the number one recruiting class of all time coming into this year. They're looking at those teams to be the teams to challenge Alabama in the West. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Arkansas is going to be better than both those teams this year. I, I don't think you're wrong, man. I'm, I'm back on the witch train here. I'm agreeing with you on this there one. There we go. Uh, yeah, way too low. And it better be too low because – I'm just going to tell y'all, I, I maybe I've already mentioned this. I have a significant wager down on Arkansas to go over six and a half wins. I got them at six and a half really early. Oh, I saw that money. number and I was like, yeah. I was like, you kidding me? Six and a half? Yes. Sign me up immediately. So I jumped on that back in like mid-May. So I'm a, I'm a side, I'm a Georgia guy with a, with a little side side piece in Arkansas this year. Okay. So hey, it's, it's hard to cheer. Him. It's hard to cheer against Sam Pittman too. I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. Dude, being a Georgia crazy. fan, seeing what he did for Georgia, bringing yeah. in that offensive line talent and with the, uh, all the Twitter videos and stuff. He's, he's just a great guy. 
He's a great guy. I love every bit of success he's having. I wish he was still with us, with Georgia, but he's but he's not. And, and look, I'm happy for him, man. But yeah, this is way too low. You mentioned like you had a, a great breakdown. There. I don't have much to add. I mean, you you lose Traylon Burks. That dude was incredible. Like, that's tough to replace. But you bring in Jaden Hazelwood, former five star guy from Oklahoma. Matt Landers, as you mentioned, who's apparently tearing it up. I've heard that story before, so I need to see it. But people are saying it's legitimate now, and he's grown. So maybe, maybe it is. But I love this team. Uh, the schedule is really, really, really tough. You play in the SEC West, and you also got to go to BYU. That's a tough schedule. You open with Cincinnati at home. Uh, also have a side bet on them to beat Cincinnati at home, so let's go Arkansas. Um, but I, I, I think they're a really, really, really good football team and an incredibly well-coached football team. You mentioned the defensive losses, but Barry Odom is still there. That guy, I mean, the best thing Sam Pittman did was hiring Odom and Kendall Bryles. Like that, that was the best move that he made because it's paid off incredible dividends. I think this team is... A nine and three team. I mean, I honestly, I really do. I mean, I think they have a shot potentially to be a 10 and two team. I'm that high on Arkansas. Schedule's tough, so 10, 10 wins might be a little aggressive, but if they can get to nine wins with that schedule, I mean, this is a top 15 team. Top 15 team. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. All right, let's get away from the SEC, at least for a little while. Let's go to the Big Ten. Coming in number 18, we've got the Wisconsin Badgers. Too high, too low, or perfect? See, Wisconsin's another one. I, I think. I'm going to say perfect. I could see them being a little bit higher and I wouldn't be upset about it. Uh, but honestly, I think it comes with the schedule. Like, I, I really don't think the uh, Big Ten West is going to be all that good this year. I like teams like Purdue and I think Nebraska will take a step forward. And Iowa will be about the same as they were last year, I'd say, maybe a little bit worse. Um, but Wisconsin, just looking at it from a power ranking standpoint, I think they're good where they're at here, mostly because they do lose a lot from last year. They bring a lot back on the offensive line. They lost a couple key pieces. Um, and then obviously that defense is always going to be just absolutely awesome. Um, they lost, what was it? Uh, their two or three best players on defense, but uh, they lost a ton I'm, of, I think they have like three yeah. returning stars on defense this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be tough, but I mean, obviously, I mean, every single year that defense is top five in the nation. So they, Tim Leonard has done an incredible job coordinating yeah, that defense. He's, he's fantastic, and, and I think they'll be good again. I don't know if they'll be top five. I mean, I, I'm really not a big Graham Mertz guy, and that's honestly the main thing no. for me. Is obviously, yeah. you know, quarterback's not the first position you look at when you look at Wisconsin. Uh, you look at running back, which they got Braylon, Braylon Allen, who had a really, really good end of the year last year. Um, and I could see him being a you know a potential running back of the year, Doak Walker Award winner. Um, I, I Wisconsin know, he, does. Yeah, exactly. But he's just not that Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon type guy to me. Uh, where are they at right now? 18? They're 18. I think, yeah, I'd say I'd say 18 is pretty good for them. I'd say ceiling probably about, you know, 13. Um, yeah. I would probably have them maybe closer to that 15, so maybe like 15 or 16. So I guess, I guess I'll say they're a little low, but okay. I have no issue with them being 18 at all. Yeah, I don't either. No. I, I, I'm going to call this perfect. I think this is, this is kind of what Wisconsin is. They're – a program that's always going to be right there. They're going to be good. They don't ever completely fall off the map, but they're never elite. That's just what Wisconsin is. That's just what they are. And so I think 18, I mean, anywhere between 15 to 18, I would say is perfect for them. 18, maybe a little bit on the low end, but I'll take it. Um, Bobby Ingram is the guy they got coming in offensively as the new coordinator. They swear up and down that he's going to change things and go to more of a passing game, but this is freaking Wisconsin we're talking about. I have to see that to believe that. I just, I don't buy it. We'll see. Maybe. And you mentioned Graham Mertz. Like I, I just Graham Mertz is the guy you're going to do that with. Okay. All right. Good luck, man. All right. Good. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I think this is what Wisconsin is. Defensively, they're going to fall off a, a little bit. They're not going to be as good as they were last year, losing guys like Jack Sanborn. But they're still going to be really good. 
I, I think 18 is good for them. I mean, I'm going to say perfect there. All right, number 17. Let's go to the defending ACC champion Pittsburgh Panthers. Too high, too low, or just right coming off their ACC title? I'm going to go too high on this one. I'm going to say 17 is a little bit too high. I'd be okay with them being top 25. Because I think it's a team that's got a lot of upside. I'm a big Narduzzi fan. I think he's done a really good job at Pitt since he's been there. Um, I'm honestly surprised uh, some of these bigger schools, like some of these Big Ten schools, haven't gone after him trying to bring in an yeah. up-and-coming coach. Because, I, I mean, I think he's been fantastic. But he uh, – I mean, they lose a lot. They lose Kenny Pickett, obviously. They lose Jordan Addison to USC um, in the bid war that went on this offseason. So. Yeah. I mean, they bring in Keaton Slovis. I mean, the dude's awesome. He's really good at USC. Uh, they bring in a couple wide receiver transfers, trying to fill in that gap for Jordan Addison. But, I mean, the team last year was the offense, and I think the offense is going to take a significant step back this year. So I'm going to say they will probably be, for me, in the more of a 23 to 25 range, maybe back closer to yeah. the 30 range. But definitely not. 17 is way too high for me. Yeah, uh, completely. Too high. Way too high. And this is a team, I know this is a new year, I get it. But last year, this is the ACC champion that we're talking about. They finished in the final AP poll number 13 in the country. And that was in one of their best years as a program in 30 years. And they finished four spots higher than where they're ranked coming into this season. And you add to that, as you mentioned, they lose Kenny Pickett, a Heisman Trophy finalist who is probably going to be the star for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. You lose the Blitnikoff Award winner at receiver with Jordan Addison. You lose your offense coordinator, Mark Whipple, who coordinated and masterminded this whole thing. In some way, somehow, they're going to be roughly in the same range they were last year. And no way do I possibly see that. I get they play in the ACC Coastal, and that might be the worst division in the Power Five. Fair, okay. You got Duke and, and Georgia Tech on your schedule. But... I don't know, man. They play West Virginia. They play Tennessee right off the bat, both at home. I think they probably go one and one. I think Tennessee's going to beat them. But just in terms of how good is this Pitt team, they're going to be good defensively. They have really good defensive line. Narduzzi's a fantastic defensive coach. But you you said it perfectly, Whit. This team was driven by their offense last year, and those guys are gone. So I have some major questions about whether their offense is going to be able to hold up there in the bargain like they did last year. So I think 17 is, 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 as you said, just way, way too high for Pitt right now. Now, their biggest competition, at least in my opinion, coming into this season in the ACC Coastal, is the Miami Hurricanes. So they're coming in here at number 16. Mario Cristobal coming to town. Wit, is that too high, too low, or perfect for the Hurricanes? This is another one I think is just a little bit too high. I like what Mario Cristobal is doing. I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, I think in today's day and age, to have a successful college football program, um, especially as a blue blood, you want a guy that can go in and recruit, um, especially in the state of Florida too, where it's so easy to go in and find guys in South Florida who want to play for Miami. Um, but, you know, they bring back Tyler Van Dyke, phenomenal quarterback, did a really, really good job at the end of last year. I think he's getting a little bit overhyped, in my opinion. I mean, he's, he's good, but yeah. I mean, people are looking at him as like a Heisman contender type guy and maybe a potential first round pick in, after next year. I, I don't know. I, I don't really see it happening. Uh, they bring in guys like uh, Henry Parrish at running back, who um, I thought had a pretty good year at Ole Miss and what opportunity he got. Uh, they bring yeah, I thought he was Jaylen their best Knight. back at times. Yeah, honestly. I did too. I mean, I like Snoop Connor a lot, but I thought Henry Parrish, when he got the ball, yeah. honestly, he was probably the best. He just good, didn't get a lot player. of opportunities. Uh, they bring in Frank Ladson from Clemson. They bring back Xavier Restrepo from last year. Um, they, I mean, they got good pieces. The offense, I think, should take a big step forward. Defense, they bring in a lot of transfers. Uh, they got Tyreek Stevenson, of course, playing cornerback. 
the secondary, I, I think the secondary is pretty deep for them, just based on what I'm looking at with their depth chart. Just some yeah. guys that have been there for a long time. They brought in a couple transfers. Um, Leonard Taylor on the defensive line. Finally, I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity here. I, it's, I'm kind of back and forth. I think 16 is a good, maybe a good, maybe middle ground for where, you know, obviously they probably want to throw him in there and get a little bit more hype under the Miami belt. I would probably have them closer to the 20 to 22 range, give or take, just to start okay. the season. So I'm going to say they're a little too high. All right, fair. And everything you said makes a lot of sense. It's very fair. I'm a little bit higher on Miami than you are. I think 16, like you can make an argument for this being just right. I'm actually going to say it's a little too low for them. I, I And I, I struggle with this a little bit because I understand – what a transition year is like, you know, being a, again, being a Georgia guy going through the 2016 season when Kirby smart was making his transition to Georgia as our head coach, that was tough. And then you come out of that and now you're rolling. So this might well be a transition year for Miami. I understand that, but they also play in the AC coastal. I, I think Miami is going to be a really good football team. I think they have a lot of pieces. As you mentioned, I, I, I do really like Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, if you look at his last six games from last year, he had numbers that were the equivalent of what Kenny Pickett was putting up, and he was a Heisman finalist. I know that was only half a season, but it was also his first year as a starter. So I think he's going to be a really good player. I think he's going to take another step this year. I think Frank Ladson has the potential to be that alpha guy at number one at receiver as the number one guy. I think Jalen Knighton's good at receiver. My concern is are they good enough on the lines of scrimmage, honestly? Because it's like you see this, you fall into this trap where you see this really sexy skill talent, and then it's like, oh, but they're not great on the lines of scrimmage. They just get smashed in the mouth. So that's my concern for them. I think Cristobal coming in kind of helps mitigate that to a degree because that's his DNA. But I am going to go a little too low on this. I think they have – Clemson is the favorite in the ACC, and they probably should be. I have no issue with that necessarily. But I think Miami is going to win the Coastal, and I think they have a legit shot to potentially win the ACC. I, I would not be, like, stunned. Would it be surprising? Sure. But I, I wouldn't be, like, completely just blown away if Miami found a way to win the ACC this year. I think you got two likely losses at AM and then at Clemson. Probably not going to win both those games, but I think they're going to be favored in every other game. And I think they probably should be in every other game. So I'm going to go slightly too low on the Canes here. All right, moving inside the top 15, back to the Big Ten. We have the Michigan State Spartans, another team coming off a really, really good 10 win season last year, a bounce back season. Tuck coming, right? Well, they're here at number 15. Too high, too low, or perfect for the Spartans? I am actually really, really high on USC this year. Oh, uh, Michigan especially State? with that offense. Are we, are we talking about Michigan State? What, yeah, Michigan State on this one. Sorry. Oh, I might have I said USC. I'm going to say Michigan State. No, I was I was reading it wrong. That's on me. Michigan State. Uh, I honestly think Michigan State takes a step back. So I'm going to say they're a little bit too high this year. Um, I really like their quarterback. I think he did some good stuff. I don't think he's a world beater, though, and I really don't think he's going to have a lot around him. Um, I know they bring back their number one receiver. They bring in Broussard from Colorado. Um, but the, just the fact of their defense just was not that great last year. I mean, they were almost last in the entire FBS in defending against the pass. And They were dead last in, in, in pass yeah. yardage allowed. But they yeah, were dead I was last. Gonna say, I, I knew when they played Ohio State, they were dead last. And I figured that yeah, game didn't help them very much. So, yep. No, not, yeah, no, that I one mean, definitely didn't help. No. And obviously, they brought in a couple transfers. They got um, Amir Speed from Georgia. They brought in a couple other guys. But I, I just don't see them improving that much on the defense for them to make up for what they lose with Kenneth Walker on the offense. And uh, 
And honestly, I mean, their, their offense was good, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't world beating good. I mean, I think their no. best win last year was their win against Michigan. And honestly, to me, I thought that game was a little bit fluky. I thought Michigan was a good step ahead of Michigan State. So. Michigan, was up, gonna, Michigan was up by two touchdowns in the second half. Exactly. And, and give Michigan State credit. They won it, but Michigan also really helped them win that game. Let's just yeah, put it I, out there. It is what that, it is. Was a, that was a Harbell mental hurdle he just for some reason cannot yeah. get over. He just, for some reason, could never beat Michigan State. He had the block punt game back in, what, 2018, 2017? Oh, my God. That was one of the craziest games of all time. Uh, just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And, then he, and then, he, you know, he blew the game last year, too, so – uh, I mean, I'm sure he'll come back around to beat Michigan again this year, but I, I think they're going to end up lower, and I think they're lower on my totem pole right now. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you, man. I actually got into like a, a Twitter spat with some Michigan State fans. And I, I shouldn't say Twitter spat because I don't really get in spats on, on social media because I don't like I don't know I don't know these people. I don't want to like argue and call you dumb, but I'll just share my opinion. My opinion was that Michigan State is overvalued this year, and they were going to go under their win total, which I think was like eight or something like that eight and a half and i was like yeah that's a that's a that's an under for me it's a hard under for me and like of course michigan state fans you know as you know people call them little brother in michigan so there's a little inferiority complex there and they came for me which is fine but um let me have my moment here i'm with you wit this is way too high for michigan state this is not a top 15 team in the country i i could be wrong people are wrong sometimes i just don't see it Payton thorne is that you mentioned good good quarterback good quarterback is he an elite guy is he a C.J. Stroud-level type quarterback? I, not that I've seen. Maybe he could grow into that, but he hadn't been that guy yet. And then you lose Kenneth Walker. Yeah, Jarrett Broussard, former Pac-12 freshman of the year. Good, our offensive player of the year, I want to say. Um, but was dealt with some injuries last year. He's a good player. He'll, he'll be productive for them in that offense. But he's not Kenneth Walker. He is not Kenneth Walker. It's just that simple. He's not going to be that guy. doesn't mean he's not going to be good. He's not going to be that guy. And Walker was such a critical piece of that offense last year. That can't help. You can't help but think that's going to hurt them this year. It has to. Defensively, you mentioned it. You said it great. I mean, they literally could not have been worse against the pass last year. They were that bad. Bring in some guys. Amir Speed, who I don't want to kill the guy. He did a lot of good things for Georgia. Here's the Georgia guy going to come out again. But with, I mean, did Amir Speed really ever play for Georgia? Oh, no, never. In five years. This guy was on the never. 2017 Rose Bowl championship team. All right? He was on that team. He was on that team. And he never really played. Played a little bit last year, but Keely Ringo quickly took that job. And that's I'm not trying to kill him your speed. I'm just saying, if you're relying on that guy to fix your defensive issues in the secondary, good luck. I hope. I mean, maybe. We'll see. I know you can hope for it, but I have my questions there. So I look at this Michigan State schedule. I think there are seven losable games. I'm not saying they're going to lose all seven of those games, but I think there are seven losable games on the schedule. So I think Michigan State's probably closer to being unranked than being in the top 15, to be honest with you. I'm just, I don't I see it this completely year. completely agree with you. Completely agree. Yeah. And 100%. I know I probably lost a couple of listeners there, but that's okay. It's fine. You know, you got to be honest. Got to be objective here. All right. Well, let's move inside the top 15. Let's get to the USC Trojans. Very interesting team. I think this is a fascinating team this year. Are they too high, too low, or just right, Whip? Uh, I 100% think USC is too low. I understand why they're put here because obviously last year wasn't a great year. They're transitioning to a new coach. They're completely overhauling the roster. It's completely, completely different lineup than last year. Uh, but when you look at it on offense, I mean, they bring in Caleb Williams, who might be a little bit of a bold take, but this is my Heisman front runner. I'm a big, big oh, fan of Caleb go. Williams. Um, yeah, especially with Lincoln Riley. I think Lincoln Riley is probably the best offensive mind in college football right now. Uh, you bring in a couple more transfers and Travis Dye from Oregon. 
and uh, Austin Jones from Stanford to be that one-two punch at running back. I think that's going to be a really strong group. Um, they bring back a lot of guys on the offensive line. They bring in Bobby Haskins to be the left tackle. Um, I think those guys are going to be pretty good too. Not going to be like top 10 group or anything like that, but they'll be good enough to at least get them a little bit of push up front. And I mean, their receivers are fantastic. Jordan Addison comes yeah. in, Mario Williams from Oklahoma. They bring in Brendan Rice from Colorado. And then they, they still got Kyle Ford, who was a former five-star player that transferred to Texas and then back to USC all in the same year as a whole mess, but he's a really good talent. Gary Bryant from last year too, another great talent. Their offense is just going to be really, 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 really good. And then for me, the fact that they play in the Pac-12 where I don't really see another contender besides maybe Utah, um, and I I think they're going to blow everybody away. Obviously, this defense needs a lot of work, but they brought in a couple pieces there as well to kind of help out with the transition. So I, I'm going to say USC a little bit too low. I think I would have them, if not in the top 10, at least at 11. Yeah, great call, Wit. I, I think this is definitely too low. I think they're closer to a top 10 team than a top 15 team, honestly. Uh, there are still some roster holes, don't get me wrong, but you mentioned the Pac-12 is just not good, and they avoid Oregon in the regular season. That matters. They do have to play at Utah. That's going to be a tough game. I'd say right now, if I had to predict, they probably lose that game. You get Notre Dame at home, they can easily win that game, especially at the end of the year with all those pieces have started to kind of find how they fit into this offense and into this new scheme. So I don't want to spoil my Notre Dame take too much. But, yeah, the Trojans can beat Notre Dame. I think this can easily be a 10-2 and team. If USC, a power program, is 10-2 and or even 9-3, and they're going to be very close to the top 10. That's just going to happen, especially Lincoln Riley and all the attention around them. They're going to be close to the top 10. I think, as you said, in the Pac-12, that's a very realistic possibility for the Trojans. But all right, guys, we're going to stop it right there. We're going to cut this episode off right now. I kind of feel like we're just getting going, but we, again, want to make sure we go into as much depth with these teams, especially the teams that are in the top five, top 10 of the rankings, because we know there's a lot more interest with those teams. So we want to save those teams for our next episode. Wit will be back with me again next week to help me break it all down once again. So make sure to come back and tune in for that episode. I told you guys, this was going to be fun. I had a lot of fun doing this. We're going to have a lot of fun next week. So make sure again, check back in with us next. We've got a lot of great stuff for you leading up to and all, obviously all the way through the coming 2022 college football season. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being here. That's a massive help to a new show. But again, if you have a chance, if you have not already, please consider giving us those five-star ratings and reviews. If you like what you hear, let other people know about it so they can catch on and enjoy it as well. I appreciate you guys. Have a great rest of your week. And Whit and I will see you right back here again next week. Whoa!